Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Come on, if you know you are bought with the blood of Jesus this morning and you belong to Him, give Him your biggest praise that you can. Come on, all the girls here this morning. This is a special day. This is your day in the name of Jesus Christ. Happy, blessed Mother's Day to all the mothers in this place. You know, I love Mother's Day. It's a day that we come and we celebrate the mothers in our lives. And uh, I want to honour my mother firstly, 81 years old. Celebrated her 80th a year late because of the COVID pandemic. And she's still going strong, just out the cave. And then Noretta, the mother of my children, who raised those three blessed children. I know we like to take the credit as men, but it is our wives. We thank God for our wives. We thank God for our mothers. And I want to honour every mother in this house, in every location, watching on television. We want to thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your servanthood. We thank you for being the mother that we needed when we grew up. So uh, I want all the mothers to sit down and we're gonna give them the biggest hand clap of celebration to all the mothers in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Come on, we clap for women second only to Jesus. Amen. Clonk. Come on, clap for your ma. Hallelujah. Welcome to all the mothers on TBN, TBN yet to One Gospel, Praise TV, Facebook Live, YouTube, YouTube Live, CRC Online, radio stations, correctional facilities, people all over the world. You may take your seat as I speak this morning about mothers in our lives. And my message today, a mother who shapes a child's life shapes the future. I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to encourage every mother here today. Elke ma, soos jou ma daar langs jou sit, greep maar hand, jylle het COVID immuniteit. Amen. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to encourage every mother, every grandmother, every great-grandmother. I want to celebrate the stay-at-home mothers. I want to celebrate the working mothers, the married mothers, and especially the single mothers in South Africa. I think being a single mother in South Africa must be the the toughest job ever. And uh, 70% of children in South Africa grow up in a single mother's home. Now I wanna say this, because sometimes people talk about uh, broken lives and broken homes, and they talk as if a child that grows up in a single parent's home is growing up in a broken home. Not true. Sometimes parents are fighting night and day, and I'm not saying it's better for you to get divorced. I don't propagate divorce, but I'll tell you, there are some mothers that do a pretty good job in raising those children all by themselves. 
while they work. Those kids aren't lacking. Come on, let's give these single mothers a big, big shout out and a big hand clap of celebration in the name of Jesus Christ. 70%, listen, the world average in America. 70% um, single children raised by mothers. 2% are raised by men. In the world, America, 15% of children are raised by a single parent. Uh, General Becky, God bless him, releases statistics with a smile that he should do whilst crying to talk about the rapes that are taking place in South Africa. That we are still the rape capital in the world and 50% of those rapes are taking place in the homes. I'll tell you, we're not gonna tolerate it. Not gonna go down that vein today, but we are gonna see change in South Africa and we are gonna see our families safe and secure and we are gonna see our children grow up in blessed homes in Jesus' name, amen. So you don't look the other way if there is a child molested. You report it, you deal with it, and we put those people in prison. Motherhood is a sacred calling. Yes, it is a calling. Deemed insignificant by the world. There's so much conflict between mothers who have to work and mothers who stay at home. What is better? Sometimes those who stay at home make those who work feel guilty. Well, I'll just say this, some people have no choice but to work. And if I go to gym or I drive out and I see women that have been up four o'clock in the morning, having to leave their children and climb on a taxi and then another taxi to put bread on the table, I wanna say that those are the two euros of South Africa in Jesus' name, those mothers, and we honor you. Motherhood is a full-time job. You don't need degrees, but you need to act like you have every degree because if the child is sick, he runs, mommy. If there's a problem, mommy. If there's a math problem, mommy. Not daddy, daddy's too busy. So moms need more wisdom, knowledge, stamina than any other profession. I mean, I'm amazed by mothers, how they can work all day, then they come home and they make food, they do the children's homework, and then they still have a big baby, the man that they have to take care of. And we are big babies, amen, men. Say my amen. You cannot say amen. Of Aina, of Adugal. Think of the daily tasks of a mother. She has to be that child's psychologist. She has to be the child's warden, literally. The doctor, the counselor, the hygienist, the dietitian, to name but a few things. It's like a mother just has a gift. She knows it all, she gets it. And uh, we tell little Johnny man, when he falls, we say, get up, get over it, get on with it. Not mommy, mommy knows that Johnny needs a hug and Johnny needs reassurance and Johnny needs some love and Johnny needs uh, some concern, amen. Napoleon Bonaparte said, the future destiny of a child is always the work of a mother. Listen. We can all think back about the prayers our mothers prayed for us. I remember, you know, I'm not 20 years old, but I remember when my mother used to put us in bed every single night and pray a little prayer with us and sing a song for us. 
Noretta every night would take the guitar and go sing for the children and pray a prayer over those children. And we're going to talk about that because you are laying a foundation in that child's life. Not by putting them in front of a television, but by investing in that child. Because when you shape that child's character, the child's value system, the child's belief, by being intentional with that child, you are shaping a future generation. You are rebuilding a nation. Theodore Roosevelt said, the mother is the one supreme asset of national life. She's more important by far than the successful statesman, by the businessman, by the artist or the scientist. Because we all had a mother. We all have a mother if they haven't gone on to be with the Lord. And it is those mothers who shaped us. And I know some of you went through bad experiences with your mothers. And if your mother is still alive, then you'd be the bigger person and the better person. And you pick up the phone today, you send her a bunch of flowers, you love your mother and you thank your mother for what she has done because you are yet today because of something she did right in your life. Amen. Billy Graham said, only God Himself appreciates the influence of the Christian mother in the moulding of the character of her children. When I talk about fighting for the future generations, I talk about parenting and specifically the role of the mother that will instill Christian values in that child. Because if you don't, somebody else will get a hold of that child and instill some value in that child. See, when those kids are born, they are spirit beings. They need to be programmed. They need to be taught. Their values must be shaped. I always say this, nobody is born a racist. A racist is made. No child is born realising he's black or white. He hears from the parents, you are black and we are different, or we are white and we are different. And then that child begins to believe what is imposed upon him. Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who had a godly mother. He went on to say, I remember my mother's prayers and they have followed me and they have clung to me all my life and that I am and hope, all that I am and hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And I know mothers, sometimes you feel like you're wasting your time. Sometimes you feel like it's a bad investment because you've loved on that child and the child seems not to be changing. But hey, you are operating by a law of seed time and harvest and you are investing in that child. And when that child is old, that child will not depart in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. After counselling so many mothers, I have found that most of them struggle with guilt. I think most people struggle with guilt in one area of their lives, but even more so, mothers, especially single mothers. They reflect, they regret. What could I have done differently? Was I good enough? Did I do enough? And when a child goes through a rebellious phase, it is the mother that takes it very personally. And I want to encourage every mother here today that if your child has lost the way, you keep on praying for them, you keep on believing in them, you keep on loving them because they are going to find the way again because you have done your job great in Jesus' Name. I want to say to you today that you are doing great as a mother. So stop being hard on yourself. I want to say to you today, every mother, that God is pleased with you. Maybe not with everything that you've done, but God will even turn your bad areas 
into something good. God will make something beautiful out of the ashes of your life. Maybe you messed up, maybe you slept up, maybe you did something wrong. But hey, God is still going to use your scars and they will bring stars to the life of your child in Jesus' Name. Come on, a bruised heel can still crush a serpent's head in the Name of Jesus Christ. So you don't give up on yourself. You keep on believing in yourself and you keep on being that mother that you are and you keep on improving. Because nobody, you know, when you, when you, 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 you get a child, you don't go through a tutorial. You, you actually experiment on the first child. Then the second one comes, the third one is easy. And I think by number five, it's going to be a walk in the park. Okay? None of us are perfect. I mean, Angelique, Angelique. That's why the first one is always the one that's the disciplinarian because the big D was my, was my thing. Discipline, 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 discipline. So Angelique, I, I taught her and then she taught the others. That's why the firstborn normally is the one that takes responsibility because they were the one that was raised differently, maybe with more uh, routine. Definitely with less understanding. So thank God for His grace. Although we were not perfect as parents, our kids didn't turn out too bad. Amen. Hallelujah. So the fact that you are still stay sane and still love your children is a miracle. And if we could put each and every one of you on this platform today, then, and we heard your story, I'm sure most of your lives would be a tearjerker because people don't know what you've been through. People don't know where you've been. But I want to tell you that God does. And God has kept you and God has sustained you. And God will continue to keep you and God will sustain you. I want to say to you today, daughter of God, mother of that child, children, that you have a God who believes in you, a God who has invested in you, a God who is proud of you, and a God who has called you to raise the greatest generation ever. Come on, I think it's time that you can give yourself a hand clap. Don't forget church, uh, Bloemfontein tonight, I'm going to be there physically in Bloemfontein. First time in two and a half years, thank God for that. Um, so at least they'll be happy. And I'll be in Johannesburg, three cities in one morning. So uh, let's talk about mothers who shape the future. And I want to use somebody in the Bible. Somebody we, we don't often hear about. So we can understand as mothers that everything we do say influences our children. You are the most influential person in your child's life. Not the father. I know we like to think we are. But we are not. Later on we are. Oh, come on, I just have to compliment the men as well and myself. I also feel, I have to feel a little bit good here today, okay? So mothers have a decisive influence on the future direction of society because they bear and nurture the next generation. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. We've heard that. Unfortunately, the opposite is true. The hand that wrecks the cradle, that raises a child carelessly, rocks the world. Let's talk about Jochebed, Moses' mother. And how for only two years, she so impacted his life and shaped him miraculously in the midst of severe persecution that Moses, what his mother instilled in him by the age of two, kept him from what Egypt offered him. And he became one of the greatest leaders 
of the people of Israel. So we pick up the story after Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to drown all the male babies, which they did not do. And when Pharaoh came to them and uh, they were very smart women, this is the first uh, place in the Bible where we see civil disobedience, amen, to the government. And it was a bunch of women that said, no, we're not gonna do this evil. We're gonna save the boys so that when they came um, to these women had to give account, they said, but the Hebrew women are stronger than the Egyptian women. We're still on our way and the babies are just jumping out left, right and center. So hallelujah, sense of humor. So here comes Moses, a beautiful boy. I said the other day, not all babies are beautiful. I retract that statement. I'll correct it. Some babies are just more beautiful than others. I mean, I thought my babies were beautiful, but I have to be honest. This is me on the platform, myself. When I look back at those pictures, I thought, my brother, beauty, beauty in the eyes of the beholder. Thank God, the ugly duckling. And I won't say which one I'm talking about. I won't say which boy I'm talking about. Any case, when he came out, I was only looking for one thing. Amen. And that is good looks. Like Moses. So Exodus 2 verse 1, the Bible says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And because this was the time that all boys had to be killed. You get that? A mother's protection, a mother's caring nature, a mother that will put a second always. And I say this, I'll say it a million times, I salute you. I don't think as men we have a cooking clue how much women sacrifice. That's why you, uh, God took a long time to make you because you are, uh, uh, you are uniquely different. You have what we don't have. We, we just want things easy and, 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 and God has just made you to take care of the home, take care of the children, take care of the, uh, the house, take care of the husband, take care of everything. And then the man is tired. I think if men had to have babies, there would be no babies. Because we don't like that pain, amen. Well, I wouldn't have a baby. I think I'd buy one. So when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the, river, by the river's bank. And his sister, that's Miriam, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and the maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. Oh, that's exactly what happened here. That's why when you cry, your wife says, oh. So she had compassion on him and she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman? 
that she may nurse the child for you. Watch this. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. I guess a miracle. Jochebed, who is a woman of God and had no option other than to put the baby in a basket in order to save the baby, obviously inspired by God. Miriam, the older sister, as older sisters always are, a nurturer, a protector, is watching out for a little brother and she comes with a master plan. Along comes Pharaoh's daughter and she says, I know the right person that will take care of this child. I'm going to go find a nurse. And Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know it's Moses' mother. And that divine connection. That's why we don't uh, abandon our children. Amen. Come on, mothers. Come on. Come on. If you have an unwanted pregnancy, you talk to us. We are going to help you. We are going to help you raise that child in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. We are not going to abandon our children. We are going to raise our children. Come on, South Africa. I understand if it's an extreme medical situation, but that child that God gives you, it has a future. And you are the nurturer and the gatekeeper in spite of what is coming from the, from the Western world, that life in a womb is not a life until that child is born. I'll tell you something, at conception that becomes a life. Jeremiah says, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. So there's a lot of debates and different churches believe that the Spirit only comes at a certain time. So before that, certain things are accepted. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says when there's conception, there is life. When those two cells come together, there is life. And you want to protect that. You want to nurture that. And I know some of you had miscarriages and I'll just say this and encourage you that one day you are gonna meet that child in heaven, hallelujah. Oh, you are gonna meet that daughter, you are gonna meet that boy in heaven one day. That which Satan stole from you, you are gonna meet that child in heaven. Amen. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So she even pays the mother to raise the child. What's God's provision and God's sense of humour? I love it how God outsmarts the devil every time. You have that child and you think, well, I'm pregnant. How am I even going to be able to take care of this child? Hey, God's going to make a way. God's going to provide. God's going to pay the bill. You don't abandon the child because of finances. God is going to make it possible for you to raise that child. In Jesus' Name, God's going to talk to somebody else, that pregnant teenager, so that we can help you raise that child for the glory of God. Shout Amen and give Him a praise. Come on. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Now, that word nurse means she nursed him for a period of two to three years. So she had Moses, we can say for about two and a half to three years, where Jehoiakimic raised him and loved him and instilled certain values in him and made him the man he was to be. That little boy. That's why we protect our children from wrong influences. We protect our children from relatives that have 
loose mouths and that instill wrong values. Because those children are so susceptible at the age of two, three, four, five. That's when the child's character is shaped, the value. So you teach that child between the age of two and five, compassion, love, mercy, generosity, grace, kindness. That's who that child will be. But you teach that child, it's all about you, 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 and you. That's who that child will be for the rest of his or her life. So not much is written about Jochebed, but she was used to nurse Moses and instill the right values in him during his first years of life as a little boy. If I look at Marcus James that Chanel just brought in here, two years old, I mean, you say something, he says what you say. You worship, he worships. They are like sponges. That's why we, when we raised our children, we never exposed them to relatives who did not have godly values, ever. We never got them around people that were drinking and smoking and fluking, ever. Never. If the adults wanted to drink, it would not be in front of those children because the child cannot understand it. We raised them in the ways of God. We brought them to church. Two years old, Angelique was filled with the Holy Ghost. Two years. Coming from a revival meeting and she was laughing in the Holy Ghost for about four or five hours. And she was just able to talk like Marcus James now, like Kiara Lee. And I said, Angelique, what happened to you? She said, Holy Ghost filled me. And she spoke in tongues when she was two years old. She prayed in the Holy Ghost when she was two years old. And look at that child. Look at her. Look at her. See, the world's never got a hold of her. The world has never ever put a claw on her, never put a mark on her because she had a divine encounter with God when she was two years old. Sometimes we look at children, we think think they're too young. They're not too young. That's why we can't leave our kids at home when we come to church. We have to bring our kids and get them into children's church. Come here 15 minutes earlier and get your child in Sunday school. Get your child to be taught the Word of God. Get your child to worship God as a two-year-old and a three-year-old. They don't have to sway thy lefi asa Afrikaans and sick. He needs much more than that. He needs to know what it is to praise God, what it is to worship God, what it is to love God. He has to be taught as a little boy to be a gatekeeper and to be a safekeeper in the Name of Jesus. Come on, Mother. So some of you girls, you better put down that number four shoe of yours and say to your husband, no. You and your golf buddies, you go over there and you do what you wanna do over there, but not in front of the kids. You're the gatekeeper, you're the protector. So while Michelangelo worked with a hammer and a chisel to sculpt the imaginary Moses out of marble, Jochebed worked with devotion, with love, with faith, to mould the character of her son. We can be quite certain that it was Jochebed's early influence that enabled Moses late in life to choose, the Bible says, rather than to share the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Who laid that foundation in Him? When I think back about my own life, think about your life. Who, 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 who taught you the Bible? 
who prayed was your mother. And we have a generation that's not criticism. The Gen Xs, then the millennials are, are even worse at it, where, where, where they just want to get rid of the kids, put them in front of a computer, put them in front of a, com- uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a television, and they don't realize that that is programming that child. You have to watch the diet of your children. I thank God we grew up in a time where there was no television. Uh, television. We played outside. We knew what it was to go build a draad car. We knew what it was to play rugby. We knew what it was to ride bicycles. We knew what it was to do sports three times, four times a week. We were a generation that was not an indoor generation. We were an outdoor generation, okay? And when our friends came and visited us, we played outside. We were not these isolated, unsociable, um, caught behind a laptop or an iPad generation. My dear friends, some of you have to control your child's electronic devices and all the years my children lived in my house up till the day that they married, at any time I had the right to take their cell phone and scroll the cell phone and watch every message and see who's talking to them. And I would block and delete people at free will because they would accept a friend and I would go on the friend's profile and dastan Yanni Tarzan and say, and say, and say, Kort Brookie met say beer and say cigarette. And I will know my daughter's a friend wees to say, nie man, nie man, nie man, kom. Delete, 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 delete. The Bible says the child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. The child, children don't raise themselves. You raise the child. You shape the child. You decide what influences you allow. That's why the, the choice of school is so important. Does it have a religious ethos? Does it have a Christian ethos? What are your child being exposed to? You have the full right as a parent to go through the whole syllabus. And if you're not happy to voice it, and if you're not happy to take your child out of that school to a school that will protect the values that you should hold dear and that you should protect, you are the parent. Look how many people are for my kids. Not as they are going to see the door. Jy het nie met die feilback voor my kinders gepraat nie. Jy het nie laat een sienkie wat drie jaar oud is vloekwoorde sê nie en allemaal lach en dink is snaaks nie. Dit is nie snaaks nie. Jy is bezig my kind te vernietig. Jy vernietig hom. Jy distorting his brain. There are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. So she shaped the future by shaping him and, and he made it and she, in Hebrews chapter 11, makes it into heaven's hall of faith as a mother. She makes it. So I want to close. I don't have a lot of time, but I just want to say the things that mothers do and how important these things are. And I want to encourage you to do these things, to make time for it. 
five minutes a day. When you put that child to bed, when you drive to school, don't let the child sit there on his iPad, have conversation, talk, communicate. A mother who shapes a child shapes the future. How do we shape our children? Number one, by praying for them and by praying with them. You pray for them and you pray with them. Number two, by telling them Bible stories and by reading Bible stories, by having a children's Bible in your home. And as they grow older, you change the Bible because you are raising them in a Christian ways. You are raising them in the faith. You're not raising them to be sinners. You're raising them to be children of God. You are shaping them. You are shaping their future marriage by instilling Christian values in them. Your unconditional love and acceptance that you show them. Your selfless sacrifice that you display for a boy, it's called food. Goss. Ma ek is honger. Ma wat is daar om te eet? Maar jy het nou net geëet. Nee man, hy is een risper. Sitting in the traffic without sign language. <laughs> Taking them shopping. Remember love for, a, love for a child is spelled time. I know we all do the online shopping, etc. But hey, it's about time together. When you have to go buy something for the child, take the child with you. Whether he rants and raves or she rants and raves, no. It's about time together. And you go with that child, you say you look beautiful in it. And you choose the clothes for that child so that child doesn't become like everybody else in the world. You teach the child what is beautiful. You teach the child what compliments her. You teach the child what colours she should wear. You, should, you teach the t- child what she should cover and what she should cover. Caring for them when they are sick. Doing their homework. Hello, Ma. Hoeveel pand het jy gekry? The values you instill. The games you play with them. The conversations you have with them. Talking about real issues. The boundaries. The discipline. Which is all part of raising a child. The life you live. Being transparent. Owing up when you have mistakes. Not talking down at them. Not swearing at them ever. Your love and devotion for God they will pick up on. Your acts of kindness, mercy and compassion for those who are underprivileged, they'll pick up on that. Knowing when to be a parent and when to be a friend. My kids got it wrong because I used to play with them a lot. Very active with my children. Quad bike, jet ski, whatever. We were busy every day, bicycles, put them in the pool every day, drown them every day, half drown them, dip them, uh, whatever it was, but they knew their dad loves them. I played with them, etc. But every now and again, I had to say to them, I'm your parent first before I'm your friend. Now listen. But daddy, no but. You're the child. Listen. You're 12 years old. This is not a debate. This is an instruction. 
teaching them responsibility. Pick up your toys. Look, I uh, don't think we live in a halo. My kids knew I don't like an untidy place. I don't like a mess. Me, mess, don't go. So I had this bad habit. They come back from school and they all dropped their bags at the entrance hall and took their shoes off. And I warned them. So guess what I did one day? I threw it all in the swimming pool. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to pick up after you. I taught the people that worked in our home. I said, don't pick up their clothes. If they drop it on the floor, leave it there. They know where the washing basket is. They can pick it up themselves. You're not entitled because somebody works for you. You learn to make up your own bed. And if you want to live in a, a dirty, stinky bed, enjoy it. To serve your child doesn't imply you're the slave of your child. You teach them responsibility. We grew up having to wash the dishes. The one washed, the one dried, and the one packed. So you're not going to get a better dishwasher than me. Amen. Or a packer or a dryer. Some of you have never washed a dish in your life. Because mommy does everything. It's not the kind of parenting I'm talking about. When they're babies, yes. But as they grow up, they should have responsibility. Go mow the lawn. Go weed the garden. Learn that it costs something to live in this house. It's part of raising a, a, an adult that will make a difference in the world. Otherwise they get into a managerial position one day and everything deteriorates around them because they lived in a house where things were deteriorated and they were never taught to stop deterioration or even to see it. So your belief in them is critical for them to accomplish anything in life. To be a parent, to be there in the highs and the lows. All these things and many more that you do daily are busy shaping the values and the character of your children and therefore is shaping the future of many generations. A mother who shapes a child's faith, character, confidence, compassion, shapes history. It is a fact that the mother influences our spirit, our soul, our body more than anyone else during childhood. And if she's a godly mother, she will teach us Scripture and demonstrate how to live according to God's will. And she will tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ and she will share what God has done in her life and for her. God will not be a Sunday experience. God will be the centre of that home because for the mother, God is the centre of her life. Can you say amen this morning in Jesus' Name? Hallelujah. Beautiful television, thanks for being with us. I pray that everybody blesses you. To every mother out there, God loves you. God believes in you. Come on, don't be hard on yourself. Love yourself. God loves you. And be whoever you can be in Jesus' Name. Thank you for being faithful. Love you. God bless you. Amen. Give them a big hand clap. So listen, we're talking to Christians here this morning, hopefully. Um, not, not Christian by name, but actually Christian in, in who we are. So that means our values are different. Our homes are different. Our conversations in our homes are different. Hello? The, the, the thing that confuses a child more than anything else is if you tell them one thing, you do exactly the opposite. 
And if you have failed in an area, it's okay. Somewhere you have to go sit with that child and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I have not been a good example, but we are changing it. From tonight, I'm going to pray with you. From tonight, I'm going to read the Bible with you. And you are going to see the spirit of that little boy change like that overnight in the name of Jesus Christ. As you pray, led by the Holy Ghost. As you put your hand on little Johnny, on Tabu, and you just pray a prayer over him. When he goes through times of insecurity, when the girl goes through a little bit of peer pressure and the girls go through certain phases when they begin to change. I'll never forget Angelique when she was turning into a little woman and suddenly she was like, she didn't want me to hug her because she was uncomfortable with her body with the biological changes taking place. But I knew that I was the man in her life and I had to just keep on loving her. So I kept my arms around her and I sat, she sat in my lap one day, I think she was 12 years old, and she just broke down and cried. She said, Daddy, I don't know what's happening to me. You know girls' emotions? No, you don't, because none of you have it, okay? She was like, suddenly she's this little butch girl and she's turning into this lady. And we have to celebrate that. And I had to teach her to celebrate womanhood and celebrate her menstrual cycle and celebrate the changes, that it's normal, that it's beautiful, that it's God-given, that you don't feel bad about it, but that, that this is your safe place. My lap, your mother's arms, this is your safe place where you can come and you can find your security. And I taught my kids all the days of their lives. I said, I don't care what you've done. You can tell me anything. You're not gonna shock me. I'm not gonna love you less or more. I love you because God gave you to me. Come on, let us be those parents that God called us to be. Let's realise as we shape our children, we are shaping the future. We are shaping future generations. And that means we need God's grace and God's wisdom. And we need to make some decisions. A child before the age of five cannot really discern between good and evil. So if they, if they, if they go to um, Uncle Gert, who's got no moral compass, and then they come back to your home, it's a conflicting message because they are taught to honor adults and respect adults. So we had to make unpopular decisions as we raised our children because we realized that what they are exposed to will have an impact in their lives until they are at the age of accountability. But then you still walk them through that. But the first four, five, six, seven, eight years, you know, I was 12 years old. I never said a swear word in my life. 12 years old, I never heard a swear word in my life. Head boy of great college, never heard a swear word. If somebody dropped a bomb, I was shocked. Today, little boys come out with, with, with bombs and the parents laugh and think it's cute. It's not cute. It's destroying that child. It's messing that child up. A four-year-old little boy telling a racist joke. It's not okay. It's not okay. Mother who shapes the child's value, the child's character, the child's faith, 
the child's compassion shapes the future. And my kids, I have to go. One thing I know that life function on is respect and very busy, they're strong. And I would always stop them. They'd run past somebody, even if it's a cleaner, I'd stop them and say, come here, come here. Come here, David. Because if they think they can just run around adults and show no respect, that's how they will be for the rest of their lives. Taught them from they were, since they were born to recognize people. There's no distinction to have compassion. And when they hear you pray for the little girl that doesn't have, they come and they say, Mommy, can't we do something and, and, and go gifts, go help that little girl, etc. Now you know you are raising a child that's going to make a difference, not a child that is Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. My name is Gimme, 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 Gimme. You want to raise a child that will make a difference and that child is going to pick that up from you. There's a saying, my mother lost her son, which is my brother when he was 51 years old and she's still struggling with that. Um, there's nothing as bad as losing a child and you are as happy as your unhappiest child. Don't think parenting stops when that child leaves your home. So do your job while the child is in the home. So that one day when you give that child in marriage, something I realized, I'm not raising a child, I'm raising a future husband, I'm raising a future wife, I'm raising a future parent, I'm raising a future citizen in South Africa, and I don't want to raise what I see all over the world, people that are just takers with no values and no norms. So we were very clear as to where we allowed our children to spend any time, and by that I'm meaning including family. Family. If my child came back from somebody and there was a little change in my child attitude, a little a rebellion, half a wrong word, that's it. Never ever go there again. This forbay, this tla, it's over because I'm responsible. I'll give account before God one day for the children that I've raised up. Come on, God has given you the grace. God has given you the wisdom. You're doing a great job. Come on, single mothers. You start by reading the Bible. You start by praying for them. And you are gonna be proud. You are gonna raise leaders that will shape the nation and shape the history and shape the future of our world. Come on, you are women of power. You are women of authority. You are women that have the world in your hand. The hand that rocks the cradle, rules the world. I pray grace over you. Raise your child well and raise your child for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, God bless you. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.